0: You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team,
0: Hello Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder, Baseball Essential, and I am with Vince Samperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends. Hey Vince, how are you?
1: I'm good. Uh, Days like this, or days like yesterday, are fun. And especially when you beat a team that you're supposed to beat. It's even more fun.
0: Yeah. The Dodgers had their first game in the series against the Marlins. They pounded them, beat them 15 to one. We're going to talk a little bit about that game and how that's what you expect from the best team in the league against the worst team in the league. We'll talk about um, AJ Pollock's performance. We'll talk about Dustin May's performance, Will Smith's performance, and, you know, just overall a dominant team victory. So that's the plan for today. Uh, but first, we want to remind you to subscribe to Locked on Dodgers in Himalaya or whatever you use to get your podcasts. And when you get in your car in the morning, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. So 15 to 1, Dodgers had 15 hits. 13 of them went for extra bases. I think the final tally was six doubles, one triple, and six homers. Uh, Will Smith had two homers. The other homers came from Bellinger, Turner, and... Beatty and somebody else. Who had the other one?
1: Turner had two.
0: Turner had two? No. Smith no. had two. Smith had two. Yes, yeah, Smith had two. Bellinger, Turner, Beatty, and I'm forgetting one of them. It's, it hasn't been that long. It's only been a couple hours since the game ended. Oh, oh that's right. Corey Seeger had the first one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, they were they were threatening to set the record for most extra base hits in a game without any singles. Uh, but then Christopher Negron ruined that with two outs in the ninth inning. He got a single later. They got another single. And so they ended up with uh, 13 extra base hits, two singles, 15 runs, uh, just a dominant offensive performance. And they paired that with a dominant pitching performance from Dustin May and Joe Kelly and JT Shagwa and Caleb Ferguson, and Russell Martin. Uh, and so uh, we'll talk more about Dustin May's outing in a little bit, but uh, kind of we just want to talk about first just when, when you come in, I almost feel like there's a little extra pressure when a team as good as the Dodgers is playing a team as bad as the Marlins. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, just anytime you're you're going up against somebody who's significantly worse than you, it feels like the punishment – for losing is much greater than the reward for winning there. It's, it's almost a a no win proposition because if you win, it's like, Oh, it's just the Marlins. But if you lose, it's like, I can't believe you lost to the Marlins. And so I think the only way to, to get a win out of that is to just destroy them like they did and beat them by 14 runs. What do you think Vince?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's really the only way you come out a true winner of this. Obviously a win is a win and that's the way to win. That's a lot of wins, but to do this to sh- shellacking, as I like to say. Uh, that's a way to show that, hey, you know what? We're the Dodgers.
0: Yeah, and the game was actually pretty close for for quite a while. I mean, it was three to one going or four to one going into the sixth inning, still relatively close. Uh, and early in the game, AJ Pollock was was kind of lighting the fire for the team. He had he was three for three or three doubles. His first double in the second inning was followed by a, a productive out from Corey Seager to move him to third. Then he scored from scored from third on a wild pitch. His second double was followed immediately by Seager's two-run homer. And his th- after his third double, they pinch ran for him with Negron. Uh, he ended up scoring two. And so, you know, all three of Pollock's at-bats were doubles that led to runs. And at the time, that was pretty important. We didn't know that they were going to score nine runs over the last three innings, 11 over the last four. But you know, at the time when Pollock was in, it was a it was a tight game, and they needed the runs, and it was really good to see him putting good swings on the ball against righties and lefties.
1: Yeah, Uh, AJ Pollock, we've talked about him a lot for a myriad of reasons, but today's a good reason, and you know that's the guy the Dodgers need if they're going to win a world series and if they're going to get back to world series and if they're going to have success in October, they need AJ Pollock to be good. So, uh, you know, as long as his hamstring and the rest of his body holds up, uh, he should be good to go and ready to go. And he's been hitting since he came back second half of the season. So hopefully that keeps up.
0: Yeah. Anybody who listened to our, our old podcast that we did before this one, Scully Avenue podcast knows that we were, both on the fence a little bit about A.J. Pollock when the Dodgers signed him. We devoted a whole episode to talking ourselves into A.J. Pollock. But by the end of that, I had done a pretty good job talking myself into it. You know, you look at uh, you look at his performance over the years when he's been healthy, and he is a really good hitter. Uh, Defensive-wise, I still don't know. Uh, I, I hope that he can refine some of that center field magic that he used to have. I don't know if that's going to happen, especially with groin issues. But uh, offensively, if he's healthy and hitting, I, I sure do like what he brings to the lineup. You know, in addition to balancing because they have a lot of left-handed guys. Um, but just in general, if he's going to hit like that, that's awesome. They did take him out of the game early uh, because you could tell in all three of his doubles. Not that his groin was bothering him, but he wasn't he wasn't going all out, and he had the benefit. Of all three of them were. They were doubles. They, You know, you hit it to the gap, it's a double. No amount of hustle is going to turn it into a triple and no amount of lollygagging is going to get you thrown out at second. It's just you hit it to the gap and then you jog to second. So he was able to do that, uh, but I think it was smarter, the Dodgers, at the time, to get him out, let him get a little bit of rest, and hopefully, hopefully that groin gets fully healed because I think the Dodgers need him.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, I think that's... Probably it for the the first segment. Second segment might be a little bit longer. We're going to talk about Dustin May and Will Smith and their performance. Uh, So we will go to break now. Uh, But first, do you play fantasy football? Because I don't. And you think that makes you better than me? Well, maybe it does. I don't know. Uh, But if you do play fantasy football, you should listen to Vinny Iyer on Locked On Fantasy Football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. You know, everybody listens to other stuff. Don't listen to the same thing as everybody else. Listen to Vinny and get these unique insights that he has, and you will get the edge that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. You can find Locked On Fantasy Football on whatever podcast provider you like to use. Uh, Also, as long as you are checking out new podcasts, check out Locked On MLB. Our pal Paul Francis Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully, does a show basically the same as ours, same format, but talking about all of Major League Baseball. And I bet tomorrow's episode or today's episode might mention the Dodgers pounding the Marlins because it was uh, it was fun to watch. So check out Locked on MLB, and we'll be right back. All right, let's take a quick break. For the next minute or two, we're going to talk about S-E-X. So if you have any K-I-D-S in the C-A-R, go ahead and plug their E-A-R-S for a minute, Okay. Hope I spelled all those words right, and I hope you could tell what they meant. Uh, have you ever gone to the barber and wondered why there's a bunch of gray hairs on the ground when they're done cutting your hair? Or have you ever played catch with your son and then you feel like a truck hit you for the next couple days? Or maybe when it comes to the sexy times, are you maybe just maybe a little less always ready to go than you were when you were younger? Don't answer those questions out loud, and please do not tweet your answers at us. It's none of our business. In fact, to quote Michael Jackson from back when we were allowed to acknowledge his existence, ain't nobody's business but mine and my baby. That's where BlueChew.com comes in. If you want to increase your performance and get some extra confidence in bed, check out BlueChew. That's Blue as in I bleed Dodger Blue and Chew as in Madison Bumgarner likes to chew out opponents who pimp homers or flip bats or look at him because he's a crybaby and a stunted immaturity whatever he is. Ugh. Anyway, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. But the best part is, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. You can take them any time, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants a boost in the bedroom, either in quality, quantity, or both. I mean, I obviously don't have any problems in that department, I don't mean to brag, but I do have three whole kids, but I have to admit, even I am a little bit intrigued. So anyway, right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code MLB to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Dodgers. Okay, we are back, and as you know, second segment is time for the obscure former Dodger of the day. Now, there's a guy who was not on the Dodgers for most of his career. Uh, and he, he was in the American League at the beginning of his career. And then he, at age 34, he went to the Phillies. And he proceeded to start pounding the Dodgers. Like, I, when I think of Dodger killers uh, from, from my younger years, I think of Paul O'Neill when he was on the Reds. I think of this guy when he was on the Phillies and the Marlins. And then in 1998, the Dodgers were making a trade. They said, okay, Marlins, you can have Mike Piazza, but you have to give us back Jim Eisenreich because we are tired of getting pounded by Jim Eisenreich. Do you remember Jim, Eisen- Jim Eisenreich, Vince? He's a left-handed hitter, right? Left-handed hitter, yep. He's like a smaller type guy. Yeah, he was 5'11", 180. He was a fast guy. Yes, I remember him then. Yeah, he had in his career, he had 105 stolen bases. uh, Not as many as I would have guessed. But yeah, kind of a a quick little small guy. Uh, But I remembered him being a Dodger killer. So I looked at his career splits and uh, OPS against opponents. The second best opponent that he went up against that he you know that he did the second best against was the twins which is actually the team he came up with as a rookie but against the twin twins in 59 games he had an 8.78 ops pretty solid that's second best the best the dodgers he had a 1.087 ops against the dodgers in 232 plate appearances we're not talking about a small sample that's half a season's worth of plate appearances and Jim freaking Eisenreich had a 1087 OPS against the Dodgers Uh, easily the best against any team and so the Dodgers said yeah Marlins it's worth it to us you can have Mike Piazza just give us Jim Eisenreich and so they got Jim Eisenreich and for the Dodgers he had 140 plate appearances and he batted 197 with a 510 OPS and then his career was over uh, but, you know, Jim Eisenreich, notable things about him. He was on the 1997 Marlins team that won the World Series. He was on the 1993 Phillies team that lost the World Series. And if I remember right, I think he had. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to Wikipedia and I couldn't remember how to spell his name. even though I've been looking at it. I think he had a medical condition. Let's see. Tourette syndrome. Yeah. Uh, he actually volunteered or was on the voluntarily retired list from 1984 to 1987, uh, was retired for a few years undergoing treatment. And, uh, Kirby Puckett was the one who replaced him on the twins roster when he, uh, left baseball for a while for medical treatment. And, uh, yeah, he had Tourette syndrome and it was, uh, really, kind of inspiring story, his story of overcoming that to be a successful major league baseball player and kick the crap out of the Dodgers and then eventually play for the Dodgers, which is every little kid's dream, I assume. Uh, So that's our obscure former Dodger of the day. Uh, Speaking of obscure former Dodgers, let's talk about two non-obscure current Dodgers. Those are opposites. Uh, Dustin May, for the third time, I believe, in his career, pitched five and two-thirds innings. I think he's gone five and two-thirds all three of his starts. This time he got a win out of the deal. Uh, he gave up a run early in the game, uh, third inning maybe, um, and then he he put the two first two guys on base in the sixth inning uh, with a hit and a walk, and then uh, got a double play, and then they took him out. Joe Kelly came in. Runner on third, two outs. He walked a guy, and then he got out of the inning. Uh, so Dustin May, he looked really, really good. I I don't think you got to actually watch any of his performance. Did you?
1: I watched a few of the. Actually, I got to watch three of his innings, so I got to watch some of it. Not as intently as I normally would, but uh, still got to watch it. And yeah, his he's still having trouble. When he gets – I mean, he gets ahead in the count now, but he's still having a little bit of trouble putting guys away. He had five strikeouts today. It was a little bit lower than last time. But, yeah, I mean, he looked good. He that one pitch that was uh, a two-seamer, I believe. Or, to
0: Brian Anderson?
1: Yeah, the 97 on the yeah. Frick corner.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, that one was the most, imp- most impressive pitch he made all night. It was the first inning, two outs. It's a two-and-two two count on Anderson, and that's a really hard pitch to throw there, especially for a rookie – because you, know, you don't wanna to go to a full count, you don't wanna risk walking him. Uh, and so there's kind of a, a almost subconscious temptation to, to err on the side of throwing it in the strike zone. And so a lot of times those tailing fastballs end up tailing right back over the middle of the plate, which makes them very hittable. But he he threw it perfectly tailed back right to the outside corner. I mean, it's basically unhittable. I don't know how anybody's going to do anything with that ball. Even if they make contact, it's going to be a weak grounder. Uh, And, so yeah, that was his best pitch of the day. My one thought is that I wonder wonder how well he can elevate that fastball because it seems like the high fastball is something that's missing – in his repertoire right now uh, to put guys away. Like you said, once he gets them two strikes, they're, you know, fouling off a bunch of, it was Brian Anderson later in the game, fouled off a bunch of cutters and, uh, you know, and if he had a high fastball to go to, whether it's a four seamer or just elevating that two seamer, um, I wonder if that might be, I wonder if that's something that they're, they're thinking about working on with him.
1: Yeah, I think just from the way he throws, it might be hard for him to get that elevated fastball. Yeah. Uh, You know, just from his release point and all that. But it might be something that, you know, moving forward, they'll try to add. Maybe not this season, but maybe, you know, like I said, moving forward into the next few seasons. Uh, But, I mean, just the stuff that he has and the stuff that he's shown so far. uh, And people can say it's just the Marlins, but better pitchers have done far worse against the Marlins this season. So... And, and you know he, he, hopefully his next start he'll get that elusive out that gets him through six innings. But to go five and two thirds over your first three starts, I mean that's still pretty good. Not just for pitchers these days, but uh, especially a rookie pitcher making his his first three starts. So a lot to a lot to like from what we've seen from Destinay so far, and he's kind of pitching his way into consideration for postseason so far. As long as they keep him up and keeps going.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He got his first career win. Uh, So, you know, I don't care about wins and losses, but the first career win is still kind of a big deal, I guess. Uh, His ERA is now 265, which is uh, pretty good. Yeah, really, like you said, the only thing lacking is that that length. And, you know, we all remember that was the knock on Clayton Kershaw in 2008 and 2009 was that he wasn't being efficient enough to go deep in games. And things turned out okay for that Kershaw guy.
1: Yeah, I took it back.
0: Yep. Uh, speaking of rookies with red hair, is Will Smith a redhead? He seems like his hair is a little bit red, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, he might fall in that
0: category. So Will Smith at two homers. Uh, his first two-homer game of his major league career uh, that gives him, I don't know, how how is it, that nine now?
1: Eight or nine, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, he's just ridiculous. Um, hits the ball hard. He... Puts up a good at bat for you every time. Defensively, he's great. Uh, it's I think it would be really hard to overstate how nice it is to have Will Smith as the Dodger starting catcher right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've talked about it a few times, but you know, as long as he keeps performing, he keeps getting his name brought up on this here very podcast. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, he it's the quality of at bats is where it's really at, and even if he has struggled, which he has at certain times or uh, struggling in the sense of going over three or whatever in a day, you don't seem to notice it because he's putting them good at bats and he is producing. I think I don't have the exact stat off him, but before yesterday's game, his his batting average with runners in scoring position in two outs, I think it was pretty ridiculous. I think it was over 400. So uh you Know, like I said, he knows what he needs to do, he's up there with the plan, and he looks like he is acclimating himself very well. Uh, obviously, there'll come times where pitchers start studying a little more, or he faces guys once or twice or more than once, then it might be a little bit of a struggle. But you know, as a catcher, you know, he's a smart kid, and he seems like he understands what's going on, and it's good for the Dodgers, and it's definitely better than seeing what we have seen at the plate from other Dodgers catchers the, the entire season.
0: Yep. Yeah. He definitely doesn't shrink in the big moments. We can definitely say that for sure. Uh, I noticed in his post-game interview with Alana, uh, his voice, he actually sounds a lot like Clayton Kershaw, uh, the way he talks and everything. So, you know, that, so Dustin May and, and Will Smith, I've compared them both to Clayton Kershaw now. So I think that means our work here is done, right? Yeah. I mean,
1: what else can we do?
0: Yeah, only other notes from the game. Cody Bellinger, his homer was his 39th, which ties his career high from his rookie year. Uh, I have a feeling he might break that mark. Uh, I think he might hit another homer between now and the end of the season. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, I think that's it for today. Uh, Dodgers you know, face the Marlins again today. Kershaw going against uh, some pitcher for the Marlins who probably has a name, but I can't be bothered to know it. Uh hopefully the Dodgers do some more pounding on the Marlins and hopefully Clayton Kershaw will uh, repeat his performance against the Marlins from, you know, a month or so ago when he dominated them, struck out 10 and just uh, made them look like the Marlins. That's what we're looking for from Kershaw. So please uh, thank you for listening. Remember you can subscribe to the show in Himalaya or wherever you get your podcasts, the best things you can do to help us grow are subscribe to the show, tell your friends and rate and review us in iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio, and I am on Twitter at Snydog. You can call and leave us a voicemail anytime you want. The number is 323 863 LOCK. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you will be too. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree, you just have to listen. We'll talk I to you later. Say, have a good D. One.
1: I say D O D O D G E R S. The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs, them are Los Angeles, you Los Angeles our Los Angeles Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye